Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome to From the Bleachers. I'm your host, as always, Seamus Clancy, coming to you from the wonderful Leading Your Nation Radio podcast. Now, today I am joined by Fox Sports, the Gamblers, Mark Henry Jr. Mark, thanks for coming on the show. Of course, anytime. Yeah, I've done a couple of radio hits for Mark's show on Fox Sports, the Gambler. That's 102.5 FM, if I'm not mistaken. So definitely check out Mark on there and the radio station as a whole. I love listening to that. And little bit of an alternative if you don't feel like listening to WIP or the Fanatic, uh, whatever you want to do on your drive-in or sitting at home, working from home, whatever it is, definitely check out Fox Sports The Gambler. You have Mark on today. We are going to rank NFC contenders. Had some pods last week. Zoe and I on Oz and End Zones. I joined BLG on BGN Radio. Talked about the first day of Eagles OTAs that was open to the press. Uh, we will do that tomorrow. I'm recording this Tuesday morning, me and Mark are. Uh, Wednesday, the Eagles, I believe, not official, will have Another open OTA practice, so BLG and I will chat tomorrow night too. So we're trying to bring you as much Eagles content as possible. Even though it's only June, it's only going to get, even get more crazy from here, obviously. This, this is the Eagles in Philadelphia we're talking about. They announced training camp starts July 26th yesterday. And then once the season comes on, all bets are off. Little Fox Sports the Gambler pun right there. <laughs> all right, Mark, let's just get, let's get into it. Let's get into it. My 16th team, I have maybe uh, not the 16th team odds wise that check the odds too to kind of see how what i was saying stacked up to vegas in the sports books 16th in the nfc ranking all the teams in the nfc i have the carolina panthers i had that i don't have the panthers quite at 16 i actually i, I had an unpopular one here but i'm, I'm sticking with detroit um i, I think okay. they were the worst in the nfc last year um and i, I think a lot of people have these expectations for detroit when dan campbell's still their coach and jared goff's still their quarterback there's some fun stuff there with the roster, but I, I don't think that I, I think a lot of people look at some of the close games they had and they think those are going to turn into wins. I'd agree if they changed one of the two most important things in football, but yeah, I, I just don't see it. Yeah, I had the Lions coming out of 15th. I originally had them 16th and I remembered the Panthers and everything that's still there that went horribly for them last year. And I think that there's actually disaster potential there. Uh, the Lions are kind of an ironically fun team, like the way someone might follow the Charlotte Hornets and the NBA, uh, because like Dan Campbell has all of those crazy sound bites and bite kneecaps and all that stuff. So they're kind of a fun team. If you were watching on Red Zone and they were playing the Packers, you probably wouldn't hate seeing the Lions pulling upset that type of vibe. But the Panthers are just like seem poverty franchise terror. So with Matt Rule, I, and then I don't know, he's still there. Like Joe Brady got canned last year. I would have kept Joe Brady and made him head coach and can Matt rule. And then the Sam Darnold trade obviously set that franchise back multiple seasons. Oh, I a hundred percent agree. I've never been a Darnold guy. I never even dating no. back to the draft. 
and people just continue to talk themselves into him because they liked him at USC. And he, I never really was even that impressed with him at USC. Matt Rule is another guy. I wasn't even impressed with him in college. Like when he when the you know all the pandemonium with making him a NFL head coaching candidate from Baylor, everyone wanted a piece at him, and I was like. I don't get what everyone's so excited about. It's not like this guy's an offensive genius or a defensive genius. He's kind of like a like a program guy, like CEO ne- coach. Yeah, I never got it. Yeah, I'm not a big CEO coach guy because I think the if the talent on the roster is or the team is performing well, it's because of the offensive play card. We're talking about the offense performing well specifically, and if that guy's calling the plays and that that the offense is succeeding right there. It's going to end up where that guy is going to get poached and become the head coach elsewhere to call plays. And uh, the Eagles seem to be having that shift, too. And I know we're getting a little off topic with the birds, but uh, towards the end of last season, offensive coordinator Shane Steichen took over a lot of the play calling duty. And that was when the birds really changed from that pass heavy attack early in the season to something that was more run heavy as it went on and, you know, played to Jalen Hurts' strength and the strength of the offensive line uh, more handedly. And it looks like Steichen's going to be calling plays going into the season from week one on. So I wonder that the Nick Sirianni's in that territory where now he's kind of a CEO coach, wants to have his hand in different aspects of the team, whether it's defensively, everything, working with the wide receivers specifically more so than calling plays. And if the Eagles are good this year, maybe Shane Steichen's gone come next year and Sirianni's back to calling plays. So I think there's some issues I have with the CEO coach model. Yeah, that's definitely a concern. You know, you'd like to think, you know, that report came out with Steichen uh, taking over the play calling duties. You'd like to think that, Sirianni was still really involved. In, yes, in I was there and Shane sort of uh, indicated, hey, it's still a group effort. We're still working with him. We're working with Jalen. We're working with Ryan Johnson, all of those things. Yeah, yeah. So, you you know, it's like the Belichick situation in, in yeah. New England right now where everyone's saying, oh, Matt Patricia is the offensive coordinator. And I kind of roll my eyes and I'm like, I mean, Bill Belichick's the offensive coordinator. He's going to be the one calling all the shots, even if he's not the one directly calling the plays. He's given you the menu to pick from. Yeah. So. I, I, I kind of think it's a situation like that. Not that Sirianni's Bill Belichick, but I, I, not, I def- not, 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 not quite yet. But uh, I agree with you on the anti-CEO coach. And I also agree with the, the Joe Brady thing. I think what Joe Brady did with Teddy Bridgewater that first year in Carolina was yeah. unbelievable. <laughs> unbelievable. He stinks. He stinks. And he made him look competent. He had, uh, did really well stats-wise. Obviously didn't translate to a lot of wins, but uh, you know allowed Teddy to get another starting job elsewhere when he really, mm-hmm. I don't think, was deserved as a player in a vacuum, but uh, Brady made him look well. And I was, I, I'm still going to bank on that. What is it? 2019 uh, LSU team is one of the most dominant college teams ever specifically offensively. And, you know, it's a situation where let's say we're talking about Nick Sirianni as the CEO head coach. Eagles do really well. I mean, they win division, win 11, 12 games. It goes, you know, best case scenario. Shane Steichen has the offense looking great. Run the pass ratio is great. Makes Jalen Hurts look really good as a passer. Uh, if he's gone next year and goes becomes the head coach of, I don't know, the Giants or the Lions because Dan Campbell gets canned, uh, Joe Brady's the guy I would bring in as offensive coordinator. Yeah, he was the guy I wanted at head coach when we hired Nick Sirianni. Like, I was ready to hire him to to make that big of a leap. They interviewed him uh, at yeah. that time, and I was all in. And, you know, I'm still ha- I'm happy with Nick Sirianni's first year, though. So I'm not going to yeah. yet. So I had the Panthers at 16 and the Lions at 15. You had the Lions at 15, at 16 yourself. Who's 15 for you? I had the Seahawks at 15. Okay, and, yeah. and it's just because of the QB situation with Drew Locke. Yeah. I actually think they I think they should go with Geno. Like Geno was not he was semi-competent last year as a backup. Yeah. And I, I don't think we've ever seen anything out of uh Drew Locke other than him, you know, dancing to young Jeezy on the sidelines. I don't think we've ever seen anything that makes you think, 
uh, that he can be a starting quarterback. There's actually some pieces to be excited about on the roster. Like, I mean, they have good weapons in terms of DK and Lockett. They drafted a running back, which I don't love, but he's at least a weapon. They have things to be excited about, but when you don't have the quarterback figured out, and I think Pete Carroll, uh, it's a weird situation. He can't, he's not going to fire himself because he's kind of yeah, the guy right. in the organization with the most power, but I could see like a step down after like, you know, one and eight start or something like that. Like I think they've got disaster potential. And then I have the Panthers at 14, all four, all yeah. three of those teams. You could have convinced me to rank those three in any way in terms of how this season plays out. Yeah. I had the, the Seahawks at 13. Uh, I had them originally at 15th and I like forgot a team or two and went back and changed some things. Again, it's a situation where there's disaster potential. You know, Pete Carroll, I don't, I'm surprised Pete allowed himself to still be head coach. As you think trading Russell, you know, is the bookend on that era of Seahawks football. But at the same time, maybe it was time for Pete to step away and just do a front office role, bring in someone new as the head coach. So I think it's a little weird situation there and not to jump too much. So I had the Seahawks at 13 and then the Giants at 14. Yeah, I had the Giants a little higher at 12, um, okay. just, be, just because I, I, I'm a little bit nervous that the Giants are becoming competent. Uh, I, I'm, okay. I'm anti-Daniel Jones. I think Daniel Jones is the worst quarterback that's gotten like three – Like I, I can't remember a quarterback who's gotten three straight chances, three straight years to prove yeah. himself that I don't think has proved himself less than Daniel Jones. I think he's nothing. I don't think there's anything there to build on. A lot of people seem to disagree with me. I think we'll find out this year. But I do think Brian Dable was a really, really good hire. I think what he did with Josh Allen was incredibly impressive. I think Joe Shane has shown, you know, a, 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 I liked the first round from New York. They, they got yeah. that bookend tackle. And Kayvon Thibodeau was the guy that I had number one in the class. So I think getting a draft for them. I think that's a, a big swing for them. And I think their defense was already really, really good last year. I think you saw at times their defense showed flashes of being top 10 to 15 defense. But when you have Daniel Jones turning the ball over the way he did and their backups turning the ball over when Jones was out the way they did, they were just completely incompetent offensively. And Joe judge was a complete moron. So I don't think that they're going to break through and win more than six or seven games this year because of Daniel Jones. But I do think Dable and Shane are, you know, building competence in New York. It's ma- it makes me a little bit nervous for the future. Yeah, I think that was an amazing head coaching hire. If it was 2021, Dabble was the guy, one of the Eagles to hire before Sirianni became the guy for them. I know he did a couple of interviews. I don't know if he interviewed with the Eagles specifically. I can't remember. He was on the circuit that year before he stayed another year to serve as the Bills offensive coordinator. And looking at a comp that you kind of made earlier, is it a situation where I could see the way Joe Brady maximized Teddy Bridgewater, who isn't that good? I could see a situation now where Dabble, even though I'm not a believer in Daniel Jones in the slightest, and I think he's you know, rather terrible, maybe he brings some competency there. Yeah, it's just going to be tough with him because at least Teddy, you can you can mold because he's not going to make the mistakes. You're going you're yeah. to you're at least going to get like high percentage throws. And even if he's not going to take the chances, Daniel Jones is such a risk taker and he's such he's so turnover prone. If you know, if Brian Dable is able to make him a, a not a turnover prone quarterback, I will be extremely nervous for what happens when they do go and get their QB in New York. Yeah, so we're jumping around a lot. So let's let's roll in for our bottom four teams. I have 16th, the Panthers, 15th, the Lions, 14th, the Giants, and 13th, the Seahawks. Yeah, I had the I, you know, I had Lions at 16, Seahawks at 15, Panthers at 14, uh, and then I have the Bears at 13. I hate I hate what they did this offseason. They go yeah. and hire uh, everything about it. I hate everything about it. They go and hire a defensive coordinator, which you know, you have Justin Fields, you have a young rookie quarterback, hire someone 
that's going to come in to work with him. And and then they go out and they do absolutely nothing to help the worst wide receiver core in football after Allen Robinson left. And they do nothing in the draft to help out Justin Fields in terms of the O-line or wide receivers. And they don't – I just don't see the vision of what Chicago – it feels like they're almost throwing in the towel in the Justin Fields era before yeah. it even began. And I, I'm not that I – like. I, I do a podcast with a guy named Shane Half. He's he loves Justin Fields. He thinks he's like a franchise quarterback. I've never been quite there. I do think his athleticism. Me neither. Me neither. He, yeah. He's got the athleticism. He's got the traits. There's stuff to be excited about. I think there's potential there. I, I think it's a 50-50 chance that he's your guy. At least give him the tools to try to succeed and tr- prove that he can be. Like it doesn't even feel like he's getting that chance right now. So I have the Bears at 13, and then I have the Giants at 12 that we just talked about. Yeah, so we have the bottom five teams the same as I have Chicago at 12. I kind of put them ahead of Seattle and New York and Detroit, thinking that there is still an amount of upside there with Justin Field. As you talked about earlier, the, the traits are there. I'm not a huge believer in the guy. Maybe to put it in, you know, we look at the what the Eagles did with Doug Peterson, you know, putting, putting that infrastructure around a young quarterback, that model. And, you know, Jacksonville's hoping to recreate that with Peterson and Trevor Lawrence in Jacksonville. So I have them a tad higher because there is upside there that maybe Fields breaks out in his second year and he's starting off the season as the full-time starter, but still a team that I don't think is going to be doing much of anything this year. The Eagles have them on the schedule. I think that should be in, you know, it's a road game, but that's a you know, part of looking at the Eagles schedule as a whole thing. And this is rather easy. And given the additions made to that roster, there's a path to true contention this year. And obviously we'll get to the birds in a bit. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I I think that that's there's a clear bottom five, and then there. Yeah, I, I, I like that. That's a tier almost. Yeah, for sure. I I think that there's a couple. T- there's a almost a clear top four too, and there's a clear bottom five. Everything else. Yeah. I yeah. I think we're gonna I think we're gonna start to really differ because I have some uh, some weird rankings upcoming that are not really uh in line with you know Vegas or consensus on some of these teams. Okay. Who do you have as eleven? So uh, 10 and 11, I have like the same record for on, on my ranking. So you could convince me either way. I put the Saints at 11. Um, I am okay. super, I'm super low on the Saints team. I've gotten, you know, hashtag Saints Twitter has come after me very much in the last couple of weeks. Who would have thought that the city of New Orleans and Saints fans don't respect what Sean Payton brings to a football team? I think Sean Payton's the second best football coach of my lifetime. Like I've always been a Sean really? Payton guy. I, I mean, he's a hall of famer. No doubt. Yeah. I, I think he's a genius besides Bill Belichick. I've never, there's never been a head coach where as an Eagles fan, I've been as sure that he's going to out coach my guy. Like whether that be Andy Reed or chip Kelly or, uh, or Doug Peterson or Nick Sirianni. Uh, Sirianni's actually done a pretty good job. I think he's two and oh in the last two, or I, I guess Jalen hurts is two and oh. In the, last Hurts years. Is, the Saints have yeah. never been all, all yeah. the heartache, the Saints, the two teams that just always have had the Eagles number over the last 15, 20 years. It seems the Sean Payton era uh, Saints and then also the Russell Wilson era Seahawks. And both of those guys are gone now. So only only room to go up. I had the Saints at 10 and I'm right with you with a lot of that stuff. Losing Payton's huge. And I am just not a believer in Jameis Winston. And if it's a situation with Taysom Hill comes in there, uh, Eagles looking good having their first round pick next year. I think there's a scenario where this could definitely be a top 10 pick and uh, one or two things go wrong. That, that could be a top five pick. I totally agree. And that's what I was saying on Twitter for Saints Twitter to come after me. And they're like, oh, we won eight games last year. And now we get Jameis back. And it's like, all right. You're like the Hall of Fame coach. Exactly. Like the, what you're losing is way more than what you're gaining. And then I, I actually think Chris Olave is really NFL ready. I think Olave is going to okay. have a, 
I think Olave is going to have a really good year. I like that pick in terms of right now. I don't know if he's got the upside of some of the other receivers. I do think he's going to step in and be one of the best uh, rookie receivers this year. But I don't know if we can count on anything from Michael Thomas anymore. Like Michael Thomas no, to me no, is a complete I'm, I'm right question mark. Complete question mark. So I, for what Olave is bringing, I don't know what Thomas is bringing. That's really the only two weapons in the offense outside of Kamara. And I just, with Jameis, I've actually long time been uh, almost a Jameis apologist in his Tampa days. Yeah. I, I do think there was an upside there. What Jameis was last year, and I know that he was winning games. He was like a game manager last year. He was throwing for like 150 yards in, in, in wins where, yeah, they were winning the game. But that wasn't the Jameis that they signed up for. And then now he's yeah. coming off of a torn ACL. So, like, I, I just I do not see it. With the Saints, and I have the Saints right next to the team I have at 10, which is the Falcons. I have them finishing with the Yeah, I had Falcons 11, Saints 10. I literally just ranked the Falcons higher than the Saints because I, I've i done some like research in terms of the over-unders for this year, and I'm, I'm kind of crunching my own numbers on records and stuff. The more I look at last year and the more I think Arthur Smith might be a really good coach. Like, that team had no business okay. winning – that team had no business winning seven games. None. I, like, absolutely none. That roster was bad. I think Matt Ryan's trash. Like, I, I'm not a Matt Ryan guy. I'm not high on what the Colts are going to be this year. I, I I think Matt Ryan's a statue at this point, and I don't think he's got anything from the MVP season left. Uh, but I, I think what they did last year was unbelievable. He turned Cordero Patterson into a thing after a decade yeah. of him not being one. Uh, so I think that there's a little bit of upside, like, you hope if you're the Falcons that Mariota kind of has a little bit of a reverse Ryan Tannehill. Guys that went top two in the 2015 draft. I still am a Mariota apologist given all the chip Oregon stuff at the time. I will just never quit him and still think he can be uh, a quality. And then maybe that's just, I don't know if it's ironic or just being an idiot or, you know, wistful for my college years watching college football, but uh, right situation. I think he can be good. I think he can, you know, take a okay team and make them a good team. I, I was I absolutely had Marcus Mariota number one on my draft board that year. Oh, yeah. the, I was trading everything. Trade everything. Fle- every pick, Fletcher, Cox, whatever. It's all on the table for him. I had a it's funny little backstory. I had a really big uh, fraternity party nice. uh, when I when uh, Marcus Mariota, uh, the, the, the NFL draft night that he went yeah, second. Yeah. And yeah. I remember the whole night. I was just stuck on my phone. Like, did we make the trade? Like, even when the even when the tweet went out and it's like, oh, the Titans draft Marcus Mariota. I'm like, oh, that has to mean we're gonna trade our pick. And then every like these future first round picks. And I just remember being on my phone the whole night, ready for the trade. Never quite got that chapter trade. It ended yeah. up being the you know ended up working it worked out. Worked itself for us. out. Yeah, it, it ended up working out. out. So, but I remember being so upset that night. It ruined my night. Ruined uh, ruined a fun party. But. Going, going back to the, the point of it, Mariota could have the reverse Ryan Tannehill thing. Like, you know, he, Tannehill went to the Titans and yeah. after being a disappointment in Miami, became a competent starter. I don't know how – I'm not the highest Tannehill guy, but Mariota could maybe go be an average starter. Or if he doesn't work out, I'm not the highest Desmond Ritter guy either, but there's people who like his upside, so you bring him in. Maybe he impresses you. I think they could win seven or eight games this year, and even in spite of the roster, just because of what I saw from Marker Smith last year. I like it. I like the takes. I like the takes.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So we're right there. 10 and 11 have the same teams, but flip-flopped order. So we're getting into the top 10 now. Number nine, I have the Washington Commies. <laughs> I've got three C teams coming up, seven, eight, seven, eight, nine. I'm actually a little bit higher on Washington than consensus this year. At number okay. nine, I've, I've got the Cardinals here okay. at, at number nine. And it's I think that they'd be slightly higher without the DeAndre Hopkins news of the suspension. And then you already have the injury concerns of the last couple of years for, for DeAndre Hopkins. Um, I'm actually way higher on Kyler Murray than most. I think a lot. I of like people, Kyler a lot, a, a lot. The narrative has really shifted on Kyler ever since they started nine and zero. it's, I know that they had that terrible second half without Hopkins. The playoff game was a disaster. Embarrassing, embarrassing. And then you have this off season, you know, stuff going on with Kyler, but people have kind of deleted the good parts of Kyler and the first nine games of how good that Arizona offense looked. And the last couple of years, I think Cliff, I, I just think Cliff Kingsbury's a moron. I don't think we've scratched the surface on what Kyler Murray is yet because we're dealing with a head coach who went, you know, six and six with Patrick Mahomes in the big 12. Like the fact that Cliff Kingsbury failed upwards to being an NFL head coach. Now he gets another extension and they seem to be at least now picking him over Kyler for right now. It, yeah. it, it's crazy. Wild. I can't Wild. believe it. Yeah, I would have gotten him right the hell out of there after that playoff disaster. That's not fully on Kyler. I know people are doing, you know, full body language doctor uh, examination on him, and that that's whatever. Obviously, that that went as poorly as possible for him, but I'm still a believer in him. I have them seventh, and we could talk about where we go from there. But Washington, for me, at nine, I, I think they could be competent the way you're talking about Atlanta, and you have that viewpoint in Atlanta. I think there's weapons around Wentz. Uh, offensively I think there's true skill talent there and not too too dissimilar from what happened with Indianapolis last year and Wentz was competent the most of the year before it became 2020 Wentz regressed to that in the final two weeks of the season and that's a big blow up and that's what causes Indianapolis to part ways on them and Jim Irsay having you know freaking out about him in the media and all that crazy stuff uh, so I have them nine. I, I'm, I like Ron Rivera we talk about like CEO type coach I know he's a defensive minded guy but I do like I love that hire for them because it really brought stability uh, relatively speaking, given the way that just, just the, maybe the worst franchise in North American professional sports. But I think it brought uh, a sense of stability that that franchise desperately, desperately needed. So I have them at nine. Again, a team I could see things go right, maybe seven, eight games. Yeah. I have uh, the commanders at number seven for me and okay. I have them, I have them in the playoffs this year. Which okay. Is a, a pretty surprising thing. I have them getting the wild card. Um, I'm a little bit higher on Carson Wentz right now than most, which is funny because I was the one like standing on the table saying we needed to trade him so we can play Jalen Hurts and get value yeah. for him, which was the right decision. You get a first round pick and turns into AJ Brown, you know, in, in a roundabout Worked way. Itself out. Worked itself. Absolutely. I think it was the right move. And I still would take Hurts over Wentz if we're, you know, ranking quarterbacks. But yeah, 
Wentz is kind of getting disrespected for what his season was last year. He was still 27 touchdowns and seven picks. He had those two terrible games to end the season. But like you mentioned, with this Washington core of weapons, Jahan Dotson, Terry McLaurin, Logan Thomas, and Antonio I love Jahan. Gibson. I'm a Penn State hater. Me too. I love him. Yeah. Me too, on both. Yeah. I, I think Jahan's really good, and I also hate Penn State. Uh, so we're, we're on the same board there. But they also have McKissick out of the backfield to throw to. Yeah. They have yeah. Antonio Gibson, who's he's got hands. They, they have I'm big on I'm, a, I'm buying my Antonio Gibson stuff. I really like him. Yeah, Those, it, Mem- I, those I, Memphis running backs, I dig them all. I, I, it's a shame. I wish McKissick, for fantasy purposes, I'm a fantasy football guy. I wish McKissick yeah. was gone so Gibson was getting the full workload and I'd go all in on him as like a, a top 10 fantasy back because I think the talent's there, but they don't seem to want to use him in that role. But still, I think this is the best group of weapons Carson Wentz has had on a football team since 2017. Like, I, I would take it over yeah. uh, over the 2018 Eagles, even with, you know, Golden Tate and Aguilar and Alshon, and I would take it over uh, the, the 2019, 2020. Would, I would, take would it you over. take it over the Colts last year with JT? I know the receivers aren't, aren't as yeah. good as what Washington has. Yeah, it's tough to compare because Taylor's not – it's not like Taylor's catching, like, 70 balls or anything yeah. like that. Yeah. But he's obviously a weapon in his own right in terms of handing the ball off. Uh, I would still take Washington. Just, I think McLaurin's a monster. I, I'm high Love on Jahan. Like, they just have so many dudes there. So I, I, I think Wentz actually like propped up Pittman way higher than I ever would have expected okay. Pittman to go statistically. So I'm a little bit higher on the I, I'm higher on the Wentz side of the Washington Indy kind of you know Indy okay. went and got Matt Ryan. Washington went and got Carson Wentz. Everyone killed Washington for getting Wentz. Everyone praised Indy for getting Matt Ryan. I'm kind of the contrarian there. I kind of like okay. what Washington did, and that defense could absolutely go back to 2020 form. I think that's the key for Washington, for sure. Number eight in front of Washington and and after uh, Arizona at number nine, I actually have Dallas. Um, I've got got the Cowboys coming in at number eight. I think there's regression coming for that defense on turnover luck. So we have our our seventh and nines teams flip-flopped. So I have the Commanders at nine, the Cardinals at seven, but the Vikings at eight. That seems where we uh, maybe have a different hiccup right there. So why do you have Dallas? I have Dallas six. So six through... Nine for me. We went through the other teams. So six, I have the Cowboys. Seventh, Arizona, who we talked about. Eight, Minnesota. And nine, Washington, who we talked about. You, we've got seven and nine flipped, and we've got six and eight flipped. I've got the Vikings yeah. at six. I've got the Commanders at seven. The Cowboys. Sell me on the Vikings. Cardinals at Sell nine. me on the Vikings. So I, I've kind of talked – I've sold myself on the Vikings over the last couple weeks as I'm going through it. You've got two teams in their division in the Bears and the Lions that they should get four wins against as long yeah. as they don't mess around that that's a, a really easy schedule they've got one of the easier schedules in terms of uh strength of schedule from last year and i think that this is a situation where mike zimmer was it was it went on way too long and i think that there was bad blood from him and cousins from him to the front office they you know the front office is gone now they, they change things around i just think there's kind of a new life in the vikings organization and kevin o'connell I, you know i'm not going to sit here and tell you i know a ton about him he comes from the rams he comes from mcveigh mcveigh's the play caller but you have to imagine o'connell picked up a lot yeah. of the things from mcveigh if you're buying in on the vikings and i'm not all the way there. I'm buying in on them as the sixth best team in the NFC, being a wild card team and getting back to where they were the last couple of years before last year. Uh, but I think you're buying in on Kevin O'Connell being one of those, one of these new young offensive coaches who does well right away and kind of implements a new system. I mean, you have Dalvin Cook, Justin Jefferson, and Adam Thielen. All Kirk Cousins has to do is be competent. And while there is a ceiling with Kirk Cousins, I think there's a floor too. And I yeah. think last year was the floor. So I think bringing in an offensive guy 
going to raise the tides of that. They really invested in the secondary um, with taking a safety and a cornerback with their first two picks. Andrew Bruce Jr. was a guy I had in my top 15. Yeah. Loved Andrew Bruce, really wanted him on the Eagles. Um, and I think Minnesota got him in the early of the se- in the early part of the second round. I think that's yeah. he's going to be ready to play right away. I think that secondary is going to be a lot better. But you're buying in on Kevin O'Connell, and you're buying in on an offense getting better around uh, you know superstar pieces. Yeah, and Justin Jefferson is. I don't think it's hyperbolic to say he's on a Hall of Fame trajectory already. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So I had them at eight. I think. Not a Kirk guy. Maybe that's just a Philly fan or history, historically a Philly fan thing. For I don't me. think there's. I don't think there's many Kirk guys out there. I don't think there's. <laughs> no, regardless of the area of the country, there aren't a lot of Kirk guys. Yeah. But I think you know he is a win with guy. There all there's always going to mm-hmm. be a high enough floor that there's a respectability that comes there with Kirk Cousins or quarterback. But as you said, the ceiling is is right there as well. So Dallas, I have Dallas sixth. You're kind of fading Dallas a little bit. I still think. You know, they could win the NFC East. I don't think that's that crazy. I have the Eagles high, and I expect them to do so. I've kind of flip-flopped after the draft, having the Eagles higher than Dallas right now. Uh, they lost some pieces. Dak's been banged up, but I'm still a believer. I don't want to say I'm a believer in Dak Prescott because he's had a ton, ton of success in this league. But if you're an Eagles fan going up and playing Dallas, I think Dak should still scare you a bit, even though this Eagles defense has improved. Yeah, Dak's awesome. This has not my uh, fading of Dallas has nothing to do with Dak. Dak's a top ten yeah. quarterback. There, Eagles fans like like to do this like slander on Dak. The Wentz Dak thing. Uh, yeah, Eagles in Philadelphia unfortunately took the L on that one. A hundred percent, not even close. Yeah, we, yeah. we we definitely took the L on that. Dak's Dak's a really good quarterback, but they lost Amari Cooper. The, they the offensive line has more questions going into this year than it's ever had before. Um, and, and then mainly. I was not high on Dallas going into last year and they shocked me going into last year because their defense was so much better than I was expecting. And everyone's going to yeah. point to Dan Quinn. Everyone's going to point to Parsons Diggs. I think a lot of it comes down to turnover luck and they had the best turnover luck in football last okay. year. That That's not going, that's not a repeatable thing. Like I think that they're going to fade back to where they were um, before last year. So I, I'm not a believer in Dan Quinn that, you know, as a, a top tier coach. I think he won the assistant of the year last year. I think Parsons just had a breakout. I think Diggs had a breakout. I think they had turnover luck and I don't see it happening again. And I think the offense will be slightly worse without Amari Cooper and with Zeke aging another year. Um, I'm just not high on Dallas in terms of uh, repeating success. And if you look at the last six times they've made the playoffs, they have missed the playoffs the next year. Dallas does not handle expectations well. And this is something I can actually see Mike McCarthy. If they start slow, I could see Jerry Jones having a quick axe and getting McCarthy okay. out of there and promoting one of those coordinators. All right. So we have all the teams the same, not in the same order, but six through 16. We have all the same teams covered in some sort of order. So number five, you talked about there being a tier in the top four. I'm not quite there. I'm thinking it's more of a top three for me. So five, I have the San Francisco 49ers. I think Kyle Shanahan's amazing taking Jimmy Garoppolo, who's the most, win with quarterback that I can remember to two NFC championship games in, in three years and having a chance to win the Super Bowl and one of them being, you know, up in the fourth quarter. I think that was a game San Francisco could have and should have win whatever you want to say. Uh, but they seem to be going away from him. I have no idea where Jimmy Garoppolo is going to play this year if he plays at all. And it seems like it's about time they have to kind of put Trey Lance in there, giving up all the draft capital they parted with the trade off from the first round last year. But I'm not a Trey Lance believer, and maybe he's just the tools are there. Uh, maybe I'm a little scarred from North Dakota State quarterbacks. Maybe that's part of it there. But 
Uh, I'm not sure he's the guy that you immediately plug in and it's an immediate upgrade over Jimmy Garoppolo, even though you're banking on the long-term upside. So I have San Francisco fifth and the Eagles fourth. I think they're maybe in a tier together where you have, you know, six through eight or nine can be interchangeable to degree, but I have four and five could have it either way. And then a clear top three for me. Uh, so it's funny. I'm a, uh, I'm what they call a Kyle Stanahan. So I definitely, okay. I definitely I mean, have I, I think Stanahan he, higher. If you say he's the best coach in the league, I don't think you're necessarily wrong. I think he's second. But Belichick always kind of gets that, like, it's like Popovich. Grandfather, yeah. Yeah, Popovich yeah. Style. So I, I, besides Belichick, who, like, he's, like, just holding all these rings, so it's a little tough to say he's not. But besides him, I would take Kyle Shanahan over any other coach in the league. And I'm a Trey Lance guy. I'm a believer. Okay. I, I, Sell me I, on him. I, I think I think people point to some of the games he played early in the season last year, and they're like, oh, I just don't see it. Watch the game against the Texans. I know it's the Texans. I get it. But watch the game against the Texans and tell me there's not flashes there. And I think a lot of people point to San Fran making the conference championship and being a Jaquise guitar interception through the arms away from making the Super Bowl. And they go, oh, then they made the right decision keeping Jimmy Garoppolo in. I think that limited their ceiling. I think they should have just ro- rolled with it, went with Trey Lance, see what happens. And I think there's a chance that that could have kind of bumped them up the same way taking Alex Smith out for Colin Kaepernick that got them to the Super Bowl, lost on the okay. last throw. I think that could have bumped them up the same similar way. And I'm not saying Trey Lance is some top five amazing quarterback, but I do think he can kind of be the level of quarterback in today's game that I know no one wants to talk about the football impact of it, but Colin Kaepernick was when he first came in for San Francisco. Yeah. And I think that there's a lot of similarities in terms of the arm talent and in terms of the athletics uh, of Colin Kaepernick and Trey Lance. Trey Lance has all of the tools. Like I, I you know, he's a tantalizing prospect. I, I think that he's a guy where if it breaks right, he could be, you know, an MVP candidate down the line. And I think that's, the type of, I, I think that's the type of like, I, I, there's a lot of Josh Allen in him. Like you, you okay. look at him and you squint and you, there's a lot of Josh Allen and they both came from, you know, schools where you make, makes you think that they're underdeveloped where Josh Allen came from Wyoming playing against bad competition. Trey Lance came from North Dakota state playing against even worse competition. So there's more questions there with guys like that. And I'm not saying he will be Josh Allen, but I'm saying you squint and you can see it. Like you can see the Josh Allen there. So um, I think there's a, a real upside that Trey Lance is going to bring San Francisco. I actually have San Francisco tied for second and third. Like okay. I, I couldn't, I couldn't break uh, I'm that not there. I'm not there. I know I, I San Francisco is actually my pick to go to the Super Bowl and, and lose. Uh, if, if I'm getting quite there, the, the reason I have the team number one that we'll get to is because I'm the most sure that they will be in the mix. Um, and because San Fran and LA are both in that division, they're going to, they're going to hurt each other's records. Uh, but at number five, I have the team you have at number four with the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, I have us, I have us winning the division. I have us winning the NFC East. Um, but I think that we're right outside that top three or four um, in terms of the tiers. Uh, and, and it's because of, it's really because of Jalen hurts. I, I think, and you look at these top four teams and, the, the Bucks have Brady, the, the Packers have Rodgers, the, the Rams have Stafford coming off the Super Bowl, and the Niners, the Niners are the team that's similar, and I can see, see why. that's why them, I have yeah. them in the same tier, because I think there's still a question mark where you don't know that, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Stafford's not as good as Brady or Rodgers, obviously, but they just won a Super Bowl with him having a yeah. pass-first attack. So you have to have them up there, and then you have Brady and Rodgers. That really separates you completely with, you know, two of the five, six, whatever you want to say, best quarterbacks of all time. So I think there's still question marks for me, with San Francisco quarterback, and there's still question marks, obviously, with Jalen Hurts, as much as I like him and support him. I think, you know, uh, I think he can break out. I don't know if breakout is the right word, but have a season where he's 
still as great as a runner and the Eagles can still have a dominant running attack while still improving as a passer with Devontae Smith's development. And then the presence of AJ Brown just unlocks can unlock so much for him. So uh, I, the funny thing is like, I would say that Jalen hurts has a, a much better chance to be a top 20 quarterback in the NFL this year than Trey Lance. But I would say Trey Lance has a better chance to be a top 10 quarterback this year in the NFL than Jalen hurts. I think he's got the higher upside even right yeah. away. Um, because it's a little bit more unknown. We haven't seen it over a full season. So you, you think maybe he can come in and really level up with where with Jalen Hurts. I'm higher on what Jalen Hurts is right now than I think most people are. But I think Same. I'm I think I'm also lower on the idea of what he can be. Like I kind of think we're pretty close to what Jalen Hurts is, not to be a pessimist at all. No, um, I do no. think I, I do think he can be slightly better. He can obviously make a couple better reads. He's got better pieces than AJ Brown, obviously, right in front of him. So there are things he can improve on, and the situation itself has improved around him. So I, I do think he can be slightly better. I'm not there in terms of thinking he can be like a top 10 quarterback, really. Um, that's that's where I I, I kind of have them number five. Um, but you know, the roster is really, really good. The reason I have San Fran in front is because of the upside with Lance, because of the gap between Shanahan and Sirianni. And I still think that that d- defense, if you look at, you know, the front seven and the secondary of San Francisco, I think I would still take that over our ours on paper, at least right now. Yeah. So you have Washington, you said, as a playoff team, as a wild card team. Yes. Could you envision a scenario, wild card weekend, the Eagles win the NFC and they're hosting a playoff game. And Washington is coming to town and it's Carson Wentz versus Jalen Hurts in a playoff game at Lincoln Financial Field. Oh, I could absolutely envision it. The way I had it breaking out, we got the four seed and we're we're gonna have to face San Francisco in round one, which that okay. that's a that'd be that'd a be a rough draw, draw, rough draw. Definitely a rough draw. And I think the commanders would have to go on the road to uh, LA. I think that'd be a rough draw for them as well. So uh in terms of how my my records broke out, but um, I, I would love to see that. I would absolutely love to see it. But you know, by the way, that the commanders are going to take one of the wins against us this year. And it's going to be like think peace time for everyone to write if we lost the trade or not. That's 100% going to happen. I think the energy would be just absolutely electric. And I'd love to see what the Philadelphia response is from the fans. I'm really interested to see what happens when Washington comes to Philly and Wentz returns for the first game this year. That's a Monday night game. And I wonder... Mm-hmm. I'm sure the Eagles will try to honor him in some way. I don't know exactly what it will be. It could be a situation where I don't know if Carson's hurt or bench. I think that's on the table. I, I think they're, like I said, I think, uh, you know, they're not a, a terrible team. I could see them winning eight, seven, eight games, whatever it is. What uh, I'm interested to see the fan response there and what the team actually does for him, if anything. And for that to happen, for him to come to Philadelphia twice in one season. Good for me. Good, good work-wise for us, I would say, for sure. Yeah. Uh, but I think it would give some fans a, a heart attack too at the same time. Oh, uh, it'd be incredible. It would be absolutely incredible. So that's four and five. You have do you have the Packers four? Then I have the Packers three because you have San Francisco tied two and three with LA. Yeah, so I, I've got the Packers at four, and it's really just because uh, I am a little bit of an Aaron Rodgers hater. If you follow Ooh. me, so I, I definitely throw some some slings at Aaron Rodgers for losing in the playoffs. He's seven and nine in his last sixteen playoff games. I don't think that's something people. One in three in his last four playoff games. I don't think that's something people talk about. But And I'm just not inclined to believe after all of this time failing in the playoffs that what's going to get him over the hump is trading Devontae Adams and not adding really anything around him to throw to. 
um, when clearly they needed a second guy with Devontae Adams, not getting rid of Devontae Adams. So Yeah, you could sell me on Devontae and Christian Watson together, but not just yeah. Christian Watson, right? Absolutely, yeah. That, that, I just don't understand what they did this offseason. Their defense will be really good again, but they lost – what, they lose uh, – I forget now the score, 10-7, to 13-10 in the playoffs, something crazy like that to yeah. San Francisco at home, low-scoring – uh, you know, I, I can't believe that Green Bay got rid of Devontae after losing a playoff game like that. Uh, I get the there's cap implications there, but I, I just don't see Green Bay breaking through when I think the top three teams in the NFC are are also good. Yeah, the the Lambeau Field playoff advantage seems to be dissipating a bit over the last handful of years, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there there is no playoff advantage when you have Aaron Rodgers on your team, it seems uh, dating the last decade. I was going to say, oh, this is a little off topic, but you saw the tweet a week or two ago. I'm sure because I kind of blew up on Philly Twitter where it was a Bengals guy. I can't remember the guy's name, but he was saying, what, what's the flukiest Super Bowl team of all time? And the Eagles won the poll we had, the poll he had, and everyone's kind of crapping on the guy. Me too, obviously. Uh, but what I thought of after the fact, and I didn't bring it up because I was thinking about it a few days later, was Nick Foles, Joe Flacco, Drew Brees and Aaron Rodgers have all played in the same number of Super Bowls. So what actually is fluky then? Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. If, if I was just off the top of my head to say what the flukiest Super Bowl, I think I'd go with the Flacco Ravens. That sure. that that whole time that felt like a fluke. Or it, obviously the the first Eli Super Bowl in New York, that has to be in, in that conversation as well. But definitely not the team that lost their starting quarterback um, and won the Super Bowl with their backup quarterback. I wouldn't call that a fluke. I'd call that like, you know, proving how good the team initially Incredible was. defense, yeah. Uh, yeah. head coaching, offensive coordinator, the whole coaching nucleus there. And it speaks to why Nick is the GOAT backup quarterback. And to, to piggyback off that yet again, people were talking about Ryan Fitzpatrick. Oh, he's the best backup quarterback of all time. Are you kidding me? He Never hasn't played, played a playoff, playoff game. game. Yep. <laughs> Nick Foles has won four playoff games, including dropping 41 points on the greatest defensive mind of all time. It's not even close. Ryan Fitzpatrick is oh, – I've never been a Ryan Fitzpatrick guy. Like a jokey, fun guy, but yeah. to think that he could hold Nick Foles' jockstrap, outrageous. It's absolutely outrageous. Jeff Garcia is number two. Oh, I, I love he's Garcia. A, he's yeah. our baby. He's our <laughs> that baby. Was, that was a fun run. That was a fluky run, but that was a lot yeah. of fun, right? Absolutely. That's a fluky run, but, yeah, I mean, we're not going to get offended by saying that, yeah. So you have San Francisco and L.A. tied 2-3. I have the Rams at 2. Uh, you know, they won the Super Bowl. They could win the Super Bowl again, right? I don't, I don't think that'd be crazy. It's really, really, really hard to repeat modern NFL, but who knows? And then number one, obviously, I still go with Tampa Bay. Once you have Tom Brady, you're still the favorite to me. Even though things didn't work out last year, he lost to, uh, they lost to L.A. Tom almost had a little, little comeback going on there, but it fell short. You know, does his little fake retirement whenever he's trying to do skirt or ownership or cap ramifications end up in Miami, whatever. But he's still in Tampa Bay this year, and I still have him in the top seed. I'm going to predict them eventually whenever I have to go on a radio show or write an article to win the Super to make the Super Bowl. Yeah, I, I have them ranked number one. It's funny because I actually think the Rams and the Niners are better. But what it comes down to is uh, the top three are also neck and neck. And I put them at number one because I'm the most sure they'll be there. I'm the most sure yes. that when like there's that. when there's four teams left in the NFC, there's like a 95% chance that the Bucks are going to be one of those teams. I think their division's a joke this year. Uh, yeah. I, they're the only team I have in the top nine 
in the NFC from, from this division. Uh, so I think they win 13 or 14 games. I think they have an inside track on home field because of that division. And when you have Tom Brady and when you have home field, you have to rank them as the number one contender, even if I think the Rams and the Niners might have a little bit better of a chance to get to the Super Bowl. Uh, but I'm just most sure Tampa will be there. Uh, so even though San Francisco is my pick, um, I'm, I'm more sure that the Bucks and Rams will be there. So that's why I ultimately really rank them at one and two. What's your Super Bowl pick overall? You have San Francisco, who makes it from the AFC, and who wins for you? The, the LA Chargers. I'm all aboard the Charger train. Ooh. All, I, I've, I've, been all, I've been all aboard it since before they made all the moves. I put in a, a future on them at plus 1,100 and plus 1,200 to win the AFC. They're now plus 1,400 to win the Super Bowl. Um, I got those right before the Khalil Mack signing and right before the J.C. Jackson signing. Uh, and I think that what J.C. Jackson and Khalil Mack are going to bring to that defense is similar to what Jalen Ramsey and Von Miller having okay. both of them brings to Aaron Donald because now Bosa is going to just go absolutely insane. I think that defense with Bosa, Mack, Jackson, and a bunch of other pieces, you have Justin Herbert, a quarterback, Eckler, Mike Williams, Keenan Allen. I, I love the Chargers as a Super Bowl pick. I don't think I've ever liked a Super Bowl pick this early as much as I like the Chargers versus the 49ers. I have, this is just a bet. This isn't my official pick, but I took the Eagles to beat the Chargers in the Super Bowl. That specific result plus 20,000. Oh, I love it. I, you know, that, yeah. that'd be great for me. I'd, I'd cash my AFC bet and I'd cash my hopes and dreams with the Eagles winning the Super Bowl. And then similarly, I took the <laughs> Eagles to beat Buffalo. This was just the weekend before Memorial Day and down the shore, you know, missing football like crazy. And I took the Eagles to beat the Bills, exact result, plus 10,000. Yeah, I'm not quite as high on Buffalo as most. I think like – that's my, that's my pick. I picked it last year. It didn't come to fruition. But picking again, Buffalo over Tampa and the Super Bowl. Buffalo's like plus 600. It's crazy. I can't uh, odds believe it. Wise, yeah, I'm not saying odds-wise. I don't no, think it's I know, a good yeah. shop, so to speak. But that's going to be my pick this year whenever I have to go on record for it. Von Miller is definitely a huge addition. He's like, if they didn't have Von Miller, I would be like full on fade the bills mode because everyone's so high on them. But because they have Von Miller, that is going to be such a piece on their defense as long as he, you know, stays upright and is still the same guy from last year. Um, but I, I think that division's really good with Miami and New England. I think both of those teams are going to win nine plus games. Like uh, that, the AFC is going to be just a dogfight. There's like seven to ten really, really good teams in my opinion. I'm happy we're in the NFC. All right, finish up. What is your Eagles prediction? You have them winning the NFC East. Do you have them then uh, losing to San Francisco, I would imagine, in the wild card round? Is that what you're uh, going with here as the yes. four versus five matchup? Okay. Yes, but I have us winning 11 games. I, I, I think we'll win 11 games. I think we'll win the division. Um, I, I think uh, Washington and Dallas both win nine games. They have to figure out like the tiebreakers in terms of getting into the uh, the wild card, uh, which I'd take. Even if we lose a playoff game, uh, winning the winning the division over Dallas and Washington would be pretty sweet. Yeah, I'm I'm hoping not that I necessarily want Dallas and Washington to succeed, but I'd really enjoy an NFC East playoff matchup where one squad, one of those squads, is coming to Philadelphia uh, in the middle of January. Or bring Minnesota back with the skull. That, that'd be fun. Oh, yeah. Know. That's a, another little plug. Phillyvoice.com, obviously the deputy sports editor for there. Uh, last week, I did kind of a worst week talking about some of the worst sports moments of my life, uh, you know, following the Philly teams my whole life. And this week is best week. I'm recording this on Tuesday, Monday. I talked about the best game I ever attended. I wrote about the legendary, iconic 38-7 game. So you can check out that on phillyvoice.com. Mark. 
What do you have to plug? Get yourself out there to finish up. Yeah, Saturday, uh, eleven to one every week. Um, in turn, that's my uh, show on Fox PHL The Gambler, the Tough Cover Radio Show. There might be news coming soon, maybe for football season, on adding another show there on the weekend. Uh, but Seamus is a frequent guest, uh, one of my favorite guests, absolutely to have on the Tough Cover Radio Show. We're gonna have him on, you know, frequently. We we got the fills to talk about. You mentioned the best game you've ever been to. It's sad, but I I, I have to bring up the best game I've ever been to two days ago. Or yeah, I guess yeah, two days ago now. That Phillies game, probably the most fun Phillies game I've ever been to. Bryce Harper hitting that grand slam. Bryson Stott hitting that home run to win the game, like two sections over from me. It's pretty sad that a, a you know a June game against the Angels in a, in a season we're under 500. Probably my favorite game I've ever been to. But that stadium was rocking for the first time in 11 years. I've never, I've ne- I haven't felt anything like that since 2011. So that's my, uh, that's my plug. I saw, I've seen a couple of big Phillies games. I was at the Doc playoff no hitter. Wow which was in consideration. I was also at uh, game five in 2008. Oh, well, yeah, those, those absolutely. Yeah, like those, are two, those are like the two <laughs> best Phillies games ever. So I did have a, a very lucky in life that I've been able to attend some phenomenal sports moments. Some of the greatest moments in Philadelphia sports history, uh, but I still went with the 38 to seven game because of what the Eagles meant to me. And, and I think there's as much as those, that Phillies run was electric and so much fun. Uh, the Eagles have just a different vibe in Philadelphia, especially when they're good compared to the Phillies. Well, I've got Football the op- I've got the opposite. I see all the worst moments. I saw um, Game Five, 2011 NLDS against the Cardinals, where we lost one okay. nothing. Ryan yeah, Howard yeah, yeah. tears his Achilles. You know, I saw Game Five last year against the Atlanta Hawks, where we blow the 26 oh point God. lead. That was actually, I, I don't know if you even know this or remember this. I had a viral tweet going around about my girlfriend being undefeated at Philadelphia. Oh, that was, that was you. That was me. Yeah. That was me. We we had, I think we, we went to four playoff games in that run two that they won against the wizards. One that they won against Atlanta. We go there. The Sixers are, are DMing me on bringing me down to do a thing after the game. If they win Uh sports nation, DM me that they wanted to have me on live with my girlfriend after to talk about the win. They're D- they DM me at half time and then the Sixers blow a, a 26 point lead um in game five uh yeah I I'm there for the worst moments um in, in Philadelphia sports so I should probably stay away from now on <laughs> I think you know, on a pessimistic note is the most <laughs> Philadelphia way to close this out you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram actually Clancy you can obviously follow my work on phillyvoice.com as well uh check out everything Mark talked about you can follow him on Twitter at Mark Henry Jr underscore Definitely do that. Mark's a great follow, especially if you're into gambling and fantasy and all that good stuff, too. Mark, thank you for coming on, my man. We'll have to talk on The Gambler soon, though. Of course. Anytime. Anytime. Keep leaning green, everyone. Uh